guess that's like the longest intro video, just to allow you more time to admire my, my new shirt. It's called, it's called end of summer clearance, and I don't care that Labor Day already happened, and I'm not supposed to be wearing this. I wanted to. Anyway, um, I'm glad to see each one of you, and if you're joining us online, I'm glad you can see us, and I'm glad we can be church together, and we are about loving and leading people to a life-changing connection with Christ. That is what we're about at Centerpoint, and... Um, you know what? I'm probably not the only one that's been a little bit bummed over the last few months that the movie theaters have been closed. And, you know, it's just like something fun to do, to be able to go out there and see a movie in person on the day it releases and just enjoy even lining up for it and then waiting and having a nice big old bucket of popcorn or whatever. And, um, and I was really missing that. And so you know what we did? we decided to see a movie on the day it came out. And I'm not talking about some underground speakeasy uh, movie theater secret somewhere. It's not that. Uh, I'm talking about we watched the movie Mulan on the day that it came out on Disney+. And I liked it. Apparently that's an unpopular opinion. I liked it. But uh, we, we were watching the movie and I was enjoying watching this movie. And then I started noticing uh, people posting online just as soon as I was done watching the movie. And it was all kinds of hate and shade flying against Mulan. I mean, I actually wrote down a couple of the things I saw. These are people I know that were posting <laughs> things. Like, I watch what you post, believe it or not. You know? And one person wrote, this new Mulan is trash. If you take it on its own it's bad. But if you compare it to the original, it's really bad. No honor. No honor. Anyway, someone else wrote, you made Mulan without Mushu? Dishonor on you and dishonor on your cow. I mean, and then somebody else had a 27-minute YouTube video, I kid you not, yelling, ranting, and screaming about how bad he hated the movie Mulan. I was like, I never knew there was going to be so much outrage about a little Mulan movie. But it's 2020, so bring on the hashtag hate Mulan. I guess that's just the way this, uh, this year is going. Anyway, you know, I'm joking a little bit about the tension and people posting stuff online and different opinions. But the truth is, we are all aware that we're living through a time where there's tension unlike what any of us have seen in, in our lifetimes. At least a lot of us, especially if you're my age or younger. It's just, it's, there's tension and anger and frustration and outrage and all kinds of expressions that are, that are uh, dangerous, frightening, hurtful, you know, dissing one another left and right. And I find myself looking at what's going on and thinking, man, I wish, I wish we could go back to simpler times. I just wish we could go back to simpler times where people weren't so on edge and so ready to just blast everybody and anyone over anything. I wish we could go back to simpler times. We can't. I don't know a way to go back to simpler times, but what I do know how to do is go back to the Word of God. And so this series, Throwback, is about throwing back to the spiritual basics that you and I need, the basics of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You and I need a throwback to the basic goodness of God's glorious Spirit rising up in us, putting to death the things of the flesh and bringing to life the things of God's glory, His Spirit coming through our lives. And so that's what this series, Throwback, is about. And I want you to open up your Bible right now to Galatians. So uh, if you're sitting at home, you got it easy. Just grab the, the Bible sitting off your coffee table and flip open to Galatians. And uh, everyone in person, let's open up to the scriptures, to the book of Galatians. But while you're turning there, can I just drop the main idea of my message right here at the beginning? 
It's just simply this. I'm putting it as a resolve, right? And it's this. I follow the spirit and I live out the love. I want that to be a resolve in my life. I want that to be something I grow more and more accustomed to actually doing. But let me say it again. I follow the spirit and I live out the love. I want you to say it with me. Ready? Go. I follow the spirit and I live out the love. Say it one more time. I follow the spirit and I live out the love. Okay, so that's the main idea. You already know where we're going. But in Galatians, here's what you got. You've got the Apostle Paul writing to a group of churches all throughout Galatia. And uh, this group of believers has started to get stirred up with this idea that maybe they needed to earn their salvation by, uh, by following more of that Old Testament law. And the Apostle Paul in Galatians, in a sense, in, in, the, in the big picture, is writing to say, no, 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 salvation is a free gift to anyone who believes in Jesus Christ. Let's just get that straight. But yes, it does matter how you live. And so that's kind of the big picture of what you see in the book of Galatians. And so by the time you get to Galatians 5, this is the Apostle Paul inspired by the Holy Spirit saying, so yeah, now that we've settled that your salvation is a free gift from God through your faith in Jesus Christ, now let's talk about how you're living. And let's, let's not ignore those things. Let's go there and let's talk about what is happening in and through your lives and the way you're putting yourself out there, the way you're expressing yourself, the way you're carrying on, the things you're doing when it isn't church service time. Right? And those are the kinds of things that begin to come up in Galatians chapter 5. So let's just turn there now to Galatians 5 uh, verse, verse 16. This is God's word to you and me. It says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you're directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. On the whole, what you're seeing here is that there's this revelation that there are, there are two ways of doing life. There are two ways of living. There's the way of being led by the Holy Spirit, and then there's the way of being led by the sinful nature. Two ways of living. 
There's the way of being led by the Holy Spirit of the living God or the way of being led by the sinful nature. Another translation, instead of saying sinful nature, would say the flesh. And so it's important, especially if you are a new believer, if this is new to you, being a part of church services, whether online or in person, you got to understand this, that God is eager to draw each one of us into a deeper experience of the reality of his goodness. But to get there, we need to understand that there can be a tendency to uh, head in one way or the other, either in the direction of the flesh, the sinful nature, or in the direction of the Holy Spirit. And I think that God is calling for you and me as believers to exercise our freedom to choose to live in the direction of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, I'm free. Yes, you are. You are absolutely free. If you're a believer in Christ, you're free. But because we have freedom, these words needed to be spoken. Because in your freedom, you actually are able to exercise the choice to either go in the direction the Spirit is leading or in the direction your flesh wants to take you. Because you're not a puppet. You actually are the one who has the agency over your life. You make the choices. You determine direction that you're going to head down. And the Spirit of God is saying, I want you to come this way. It will work out way better for you if you do. And so for every one of us, this is the learning curve we're on, is learning to follow the leading of the Spirit, learning to walk with the Spirit, learning to go the direction the Holy Spirit is wanting to take us more and more. And to the extent that we do... To that extent, we're going to experience the good stuff of God growing in through our lives. But here's what I know. I, I know that sometimes I overhear certain people's conversations or I, or I see, like I mentioned earlier, certain people's posts online and whatnot, and I start looking at that stuff and hearing that stuff, and I think to myself, man, I want to say something to them. I want to say something to them like, hey, you know, you're a Christian. Your flesh is showing, you know? And I want to say it to them but the truth is, I need to just start with me. I think probably a lot of us do what I just said, right? We, we see other people's stuff and we go, yeah, yeah, he, yeah, she, she needs to stop being in her flesh. <laughs> I need to start with myself. And that is why I'm framing this message with this simple resolve. I follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and I live out the love. I don't want to make this about pointing fingers at what other people are or aren't doing. I want to make this about what, what am I doing with my life? Am I following the lead of the Spirit? Am I living out the love of God? Or is it just talk? Am I following the leading of the Spirit? Or is that just a Sunday morning when there's good worship songs thing? You know, I think it's a way of life that God's calling us into. And yes, the truth is for some of us, our flesh has been showing. But it's time tonight to recalibrate. Believe me, you don't want your flesh to be showing. It's embarrassing. I remember there, <laughs> there was this, uh, we had this Christmas uh, service. This was like three years ago now, I think. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so it was Christmas. Lots of people come to church on Christmas. It was like a big deal. You know, five or six hundred people packed out inside there. And, and uh, I, it was time for me to preach. So I came out on the platform and I was uh, ready to preach. And so I started off smiling and just welcoming everybody. And I was smiling. I was happy. It was Christmas. But what I noticed was that 
everybody in the whole room seemed like really happy. Like they were really smiling and, and they were laughing already and I hadn't even said anything even remotely funny yet. And I'm wondering like what's going on? Wow, this is going to be a great church service, you know? And then from the side, one, one of our team members came walking out onto the platform and put their arm around my shoulder and sort of tugged me backwards. And, and I, was, I was like, what's going on? This never happens to me. And, and they whispered in my ear, uh, your zipper's down. There was nowhere to hide. Like, I'm standing there, there's literally nowhere to hide. I ran over to the drum set and pretended like I was inspecting the drums. Like, because this is what a preacher should do at the beginning of the sermon. Meanwhile, I'm taking care of the, the barn door issues over there by the drum set uh, because it was embarrassing and nobody needs their flesh to be showing. That's what I wanted to tell you today. It's important that we understand the heart of God is, is not to condemn us with these words, but to invite us into a noble way of living. Invite us into a way of living where, where we are who he says we are. Righteous sons and daughters who are rising up and doing what's right and living out the love of God. It's possible, but we need to confront the reality of the way that our flesh may be showing See, what God wants is Galatians 5.16. I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. And then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Isn't that a privilege that we get the opportunity to live that way? To live our lives walking with the Holy Spirit is the way one translation puts it. Staying in step with the Spirit, as another verse puts it. Living with the guidance of the Holy Spirit, where we're wondering, what do I do? And we get his nudge in, in the exact direction that we need, where we're trying to figure out a solution for this problem, and the Holy Spirit brings direction to us. And we stay out of the gutter. We stay out of the grumpy, nasty stuff that can sometimes crop up. And, and here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what we just read about in verse 19. I want you to look at this with me. In verse 19, these are painful, and I paused awkwardly when I read it before. I won't do that this time, but I want you to hear this. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, Jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild party, and other sins like these. And you know, some of us, we hear about the flesh, and we think, oh yeah, that's, that's, that's that problem that those other people have. Those people that have sexual impurity issues, <laughs> and we stop right there, as if that was the only thing on the list. Did you keep reading? Because what I read was things like outbursts of anger. Envy. All of a sudden, it just got way too easy for me to be on that list. Selfish ambition, dissension, division. I mean, we're seeing all of this all around us, aren't we? But my concern, though, is, is not so much whether I'm seeing it all around me, but whether I have the courage or the guts to confront it when I start seeing it in me. I follow the Holy Spirit, and I live out the love. I follow the Spirit, and I live out the love. When I follow the leading of the Spirit, here's where the Spirit takes me. Verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. 
love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, this is a metaphor. We're, we're talking about what the Spirit of God produces in our lives. And the way we refer to these are the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And we're, we're looking at a list of nine in particular that are listed out for us. I don't want us to think that these are the only evidences of God's goodness that are, are able to be seen in a person's life. There's so many that can be seen, but these nine are crucial that we understand them. Now, some would say, well, they're the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And that means that the, the Spirit produces them. You never saw a fruit tree trying real hard to make itself have an apricot, right? But that, that, would, that would be true about this verse only if this were the only thing that the scripture said about these nine things. Each one of these nine things are throughout the scriptures called for, mandated, commanded, given as an instruction to us. So I'm not willing to let myself off the hook and say, oh, well, you know, these are just something the Holy Spirit does. I'm just passively a bystander hoping that these things grow. No, this is a revelation of the kind of thing that the Holy Spirit always wants in my life and in your life. But it is always up to me to choose to cooperate with the desires of my Father and to choose to act in ways that are in keeping with what the Scriptures reveal that is something God wants. And so I choose to follow the Spirit and I choose to live out the love. That's what needs to happen in and through my life. These are commanded. These are called for. These are choices that you and I make. It's what we're made for. I want you to imagine your life with more joy. Imagine your life with more peace from God. Imagine your life with more patience in how you're responding to people around you. Imagine your life with more kindness being the hallmark of what people's experience of you would be. And on and on it goes. Don't you think that your life would be more of a blessing if more of these things would show up? I do. And I think more people would be more blessed with you and through you if more of these things would show up. And that's why we're taking the time in this series to come back to these basics, that these fruit would grow. But I want us to make sure we're aware of the first fruit of the Spirit that's listed, and it's love. Everybody say love. 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 I don't think it's an accident that love is the first thing that's mentioned. Some theologians would even say love is the only fruit of the Spirit, and the other eight things are just expressions of love. I don't fully buy into that argument, but it's still a perspective that you ought to be aware of. But love matters, and, it, and it's needed. You know, I was talking to a, a friend of mine, Pat Callahan, and he, he was telling me about his son and how proud he was of his son. And his son had followed in the family footsteps and had joined the Marines and had climbed up through the ranks in the Marines. And, uh, and this guy, Pat, his son, had been in the Marines for several years at this point. But then he was saying that he was kind of bummed that his son wasn't going to be able to be home for this family reunion uh, because he had to requalify as a rifleman. And I said, wait, wait, I thought you had said he had been in the Marines for many years. Did he do something wrong? What did he do wrong that he had to go back and requalify it? And my friend Pat kind of set me straight and said, no, 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 this is the reality in the Marine Corps. The philosophy of the Marines is that every Marine is 
a rifleman. All other conditions are secondary. That's like the, the philosophy in the Marines. And as a result, everybody who's a Marine requalifies as a rifleman every year. It's just what is done in the Marines because the idea is whether this Marine is a cook or a commander, whether this Marine is an engineer, an enlisted man, or whatever rank, they're a rifleman at the core, a rifleman ready to head out onto a battlefield whenever needed. <laughs> and it, it matters so much that every year, every single Marine has to requalify as a rifleman because being a rifleman is the core of what it means to be a Marine. I wanted to tell you today that love is at the very core of what it means to be a Christian. And I know you've got this opinion and this preference and this political persuasion and this idea that's your favorite one and this profession that you're a part of, but I wanted to remind you today who you really are. Who you really are is a redeemed child of God who has been bought at the high price of the blood of Jesus and you are meant to be a lover. You're a lover. This is who you are. You're a lover. You're a lover. And you might be a businessman, you might be a, a woman who owns a, a shop, you might be a doctor or a nurse or a teacher or a construction worker or a sales manager or anything else in between. But all of those things are under who you are as a lover, a lover of God and a lover of people. And I'm calling you back up to who you really are, a lover of God and a lover of people. And to whatever extent you're holding on to a preference or an opinion and making that higher than your calling to love and love well, I don't know if you're following the Spirit. And I want to call you back into following the Spirit into the way of love. And if in the Marines... They would say, look, you know, it matters so much that every Marine needs to requalify as a rifleman every year. I find myself, when I heard Pat telling me about that, thinking, man, I wish that in the Church of Jesus Christ we could have a, a, a deal every year where people needed to requalify again around the main thing, the love of Jesus Christ flowing in and through you. You're a lover. You're a lover of God, a lover of people. I want you to turn to somebody near you and tell them you're a lover. And if you're at home aloud, just, uh, alone, just say it out loud. I'm a lover. Just say it. Tell someone you're a lover now if you're looking at your wife right now you should say it a little differently anyway that's another message for another time this is this is God's word to you and me is to follow the spirit and to live out the love and I'm asking you to embrace it and and as I'm saying this phrase again and again I follow the spirit I live out the love maybe you find yourself thinking how though what does that actually look like? How do you do it? How do you live out the love? Well, if you're following the leading of the Spirit, the Spirit is going to lead you into the Jesus way. And the Jesus way is a way of life marked by love, characterized by laying down one's life. If you're following the Spirit, you're going to follow the Spirit's leading right into giving your life away. And so that's what I wanted to tell you today. If you want to live out the love, then give yourself away. 
give yourself away. I want to share the scripture in Ephesians 5, 2 with you. It says, live a life filled with love and follow the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice, a pleasing aroma to God. If you're a follower of Jesus, his love is your model. His love, a life laid down, is the example for you and me. So give yourself away. Let me tell you in rapid succession 10 ways to give yourself away as a way of living out love. Maybe even take notes and just catch five of them or three of them and see which one the Holy Spirit says, this is yours. Tag, go live this out. First of all, give away your time. To the people that God has entrusted you with, that wife, that husband, those kids, those parents, those grandkids, those relationships of value, give away your time. Your time says, you matter to me. I I want to give one of the most precious commodities I have to you, my time. All of us have the same limited amount of it, but when you give it, it makes a statement that you are worth something to me, and it sounds a lot like love. Number two, give away your interest. Your interest. Be interested in her. Ask about how his day was. Talk to them about what they learned and what they feel about it and what they're hoping they get to do during the Christmas break. Show your interest. Give away your interest. It feels like love when you're on the receiving end of interest. Three, give away your forgiveness. I know she did you wrong. Forgive her anyway. I know he let you down. Forgive him anyway. Yes, seek the healing and the reconciliation you need, but ask God to give you the grace to forgive and forgive again and then forgive some more because that's the Jesus way. Forgive. It looks like love. Number four, give away your willingness to serve. Give away your willingness to serve. Now, I'm so grateful that I have a great example of this one. Actually, I have a great example of every single one of these. But in particular, this one, my wife, like today, I had you know, a lot to do, and I didn't have time to make myself a good lunch, but I really wanted to eat because I'm doing intermittent fasting, and I only have four hours in which to eat, and so I wanted to have a good meal. And all of a sudden, she said, hey, your lunch is ready. And it was like this amazing lunch with bratwurst, George, and broccoli, and uh, and. Uh, and um, this flatbread pizza with arugula on it. And it was like this gourmet lunch. That was an act of service. That was serving. It was love, but it came through in service. Number four, I said already, be willing to serve. Number five, your affection. Give away your affection. Put your arm around her right now, my brother, if you know what's good for you. (laughs) Give away your affection. Give away that tender touch that communicates at the visceral, biological, physiological level. You are the one I connect with. You give me the feels. (laughs) I mean, that, that gift feels like love. Give away, number six, your encouragement. Give away those words that say, I believe in you. I I have hope for you. Give away your encouragement. Number seven, give away your comfort. Give away your comfort when they seem like they're downtrodden, but you've also had a hard day. You dig deep and give away your comfort to them and help them to feel some of the comfort of God flowing through you. Number eight, you give them and give away your affirmation. Give away your affirmation. Let him know that you are proud of him, 
that you admire him, that you're grateful for the work that he does and the 12-hour shifts that he's been pulling and for the extra business meetings he's been doing. Let him or her know that you affirm them. Number nine, give away your gratitude. Give away your gratitude. Tell him thank you. Where is my wife? Thank you so much, babe, for that amazing lunch you made for me today. Just like that. That's how we do it. Give away your gratitude and then give away your listening ear. Take the time to hear what's going on, to take in what's happening in their lives. These are what love look like. And I think that if you would choose two or three of the things I just shared with you and just said, God, help me to do that with, and then fill in the blank, your spouse, your kids, your parents, your siblings, you're gonna be taking a step towards living out the love of God and it's gonna change the atmosphere. And I want you to take me up on it. I want you to take God up on what it looks like to follow the Spirit and live out the love in your family. She needs it, he needs it, you need it. So let's go for it, let's do it. John 15, verse 12. Jesus said, my command, because it's not just a suggestion, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. I think God's looking for you and me to not just be containers which receive his love, but conduits which allow his love to flow through us into the relationships in our lives. And so if I could commission you today, I would commission you to be the lover that God says that you're capable of being. One who can follow the spirit into these things that I've just described victoriously. And the difference that it will yield is immeasurable and something God's calling you and me to. Romans 12, verse 9, it says, love must be sincere. We're not just going through the motions and playing pretend. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, and be devoted to one another in love, and honor one another above yourselves. Love has got to show up. It's got to be sincere. It can't just be empty words. It's got to come through in real time. You know, mo most of you are aware, a number of months ago, four or five months ago, I was dealing with uh, radiation treatment. I'd been going through six weeks of proton radiation treatment for neurofibromatosis in my body, and uh, it was pretty awful, to be honest. And I put on a good game face, but there were days I felt like I was dying, like literally, it was bad. And uh, one day, I came back to my house after, you know, dealing with another round of treatments down in San Diego, and I got to the house, and my whole entire driveway had been chalked, and it was chalked with all of these amazing scriptures and kind words and hopeful words and promises from God and, and expressions of encouragement and love and promises of God's healing touch that would come. And, and I remember just looking at it and weeping and feeling deep inside so loved. And then I, I got into the house and there was all of these prophetic cards of encouragement and notes saying, you know, we believe in you, you can do it, God's got you, all of those kinds of things. And, and that day, I just sat in that chair dealing with the pain in my body, but feeling so deeply loved in my spirit, knowing, man, there are people around me that actually care about me. And I would not have known it 
if they would have kept it to themselves and only thought loving thoughts toward me. At some point, love's got to show up in real time. And I wonder if right now you could be praying, asking yourself, who has God entrusted to me that I need to love in one of the particular ways that we just talked about? Because there's probably somebody, and it's time for you to do it. It's time for you and me to rise up and be the, the lovers that God has called each one of us to be, and he's willing to empower each one of us to be. Romans 10.9 says this. It says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your hearts that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Just let me ask you a quick question. How many of you have believed in the Lord Jesus, risen from the dead? Raise your hand or type in amen, right? Like, yes, so many of us. This is the truth of who we are. We are followers of Jesus. And God's idea for you and me is that we would be able to live differently because we've been saved. And so today, I'm asking you to say it one more time. I follow the Spirit and I live out the love. Say it. I follow the Spirit and I live out the love. I follow the Spirit and I live out the love. You know, I, I, want, I want for some of us to hear loud and clear. If you're wondering how to know that you're right with God, being right with God doesn't come because you've finally done everything right. Being right with God comes because you've finally said yes to Jesus who alone did everything right in the eyes of God and he did it for you. And so for somebody right now, what you need to do if you want to be right with God is you need to ask Jesus to forgive your sins and save your life. You need to do what we just read in Romans 10, 9 and confess with your mouth who Jesus is, the living Savior. And I wanna ask you to join me right now to pray and let's, for some of us who are believers, reaffirm our faith in our Savior in this moment. And for others of us, maybe it's time to allow God to wake us up spiritually. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for your word and I thank you that there is a way to be right with God and it comes through Christ Jesus. And for those of us who are believers, right now we wanna say in this moment, God, thank you for loving me and saving me. I mean, just right now, would you just pray and say, God, thank you for loving me and saving me. Like, let your heart wake up again to how good God has been to you. He's forgiven your sin. He doesn't count it against you. The secret stuff, the stuff that people know about and everything in between. If you're a believer in Jesus, he's forgiven you. Just right now, just say, whisper to him, thank you, God, thank you. I mean, every one of us should be right now saying it. Thank you, God. It's just too good not to acknowledge, right? Thank you, God, for loving me and saving me and forgiving me and giving me the hope of heaven. Just say it to him. God, thank you for rescuing me. God, thank you for setting me free. Thank you, God, for giving me hope. Just say it to him. Thank you, God. Every voice, say it with me. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And now while we're praying together, for somebody, the truth is you don't know where you stand with God and you want to be right with him. The way to be right with him is in this moment to give your life to Jesus, to ask Jesus to forgive you and to save you. 
And if you're here in person or you're online right now and you're saying, I want to ask Jesus Christ to forgive my sin and save my life, then right now I want you to raise your hand. Put it up high or type into the comments, I need Jesus to forgive me. Raise your hand high so I can see you or put it into the comments and type in, I want to ask Jesus to forgive me. Raise your hand so I can see you. A couple of you that I've just connected with, I want you to pray with me and say, Jesus, I give my life to you. Would you forgive my sin and save my life? And Jesus, I believe in you. You are my Savior and my Lord, and I turn from my sin right now. I repent of sin, and I turn to you, Jesus, and I ask you to forgive me and save me. Jesus, would you be my Savior and my Lord from this moment forward? Jesus, I'm yours. Thank you for saving me and giving me new life. In Jesus' name. Okay, now, believers, let's take a moment and pray together. And I want you to stand to your feet with me, if you would. And I want you to pray with me in this moment. And I'd like us to take some time to pray together over the stuff that's happening in the world around us. So if you need to kind of stretch for a second so that you can enter into this moment, go ahead and do that. Deep breath. But now let's engage spiritually a little bit more. Let's pray together. Would you pray with me? God, I pray that you would meet us in this time and hear our cries. And so right now, God, we want to cry out, first of all, for our state, California, and for all the fires that are taking place. God, we ask for your protection over every man or woman who's fighting those fires in any capacity, whether they're flying helicopters and planes or heading right up to a line. And God, we ask for your protection over physical bodies of those fighting fires, God. We pray that you'd protect from exhaustion and from heat, stroke, and everything else that we don't even know about. God, would you give sustaining energy and strength? And, and even for those few moments when they get to lie down on a sidewalk or something to catch a, a nap, God, would you allow there to be some supernatural rejuvenation rest that happens in those moments? And God, we pray that you would allow a miraculous change in weather patterns so that the fire could be defeated. God, we're also asking, Lord, that the skies would clear for the sake of so many of us who have breathing issues. God, we're asking for the skies to clear and for the dust and particulate and ash to be blown away. We know you can do it and we're asking for it, God. Come on, somebody shout amen. And Lord, we want to pray and we want to ask God for your peace to come in our nation at large. We ask God for your peace to come in our nation at large. We want to ask for an end to the rioting that's been taking place in cities. God, we're together with one voice asking that there would be riots that would come to a, 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 an end right now. And, and we do rejoice. We're grateful that we live in a free country where we can protest and lift our voice and all that. But we want riots to end. And for uh, you know, people to be able to make their opinions known without uh, harming so much stuff and people in the process. So we're asking for peace in our nation. And God, we're also praying in this moment for the coronavirus crisis to come to an end. Would you just join me and pray for that? God, we're asking that this coronavirus crisis could come to an end. We want to ask that every aspect of this coronavirus crisis would end 
first and foremost, the physiological aspect of it. We pray that COVID-19 would completely lose its ground. We're asking God, we, I don't believe it's something for me to be afraid of or fear in any way, but I'm tired of seeing the, uh, the, the orders that are making life so hard for so many of us. And so we're asking for the disease spread to stop in Jesus' name. That the, the, that the number of cases would drop off a cliff right now. We're asking for the number of people catching this and having it reported as a case that it would just absolutely cease and desist. And so I'm pleading the blood of Jesus over every human being that I have any spiritual authority over for absolute protection from the virus in Jesus' name. And that then the data would be so clear that it's time to open up because there is no longer such a threat. We're asking for this, God. We're asking for this. We're pleading through the name of Jesus Christ that this whole thing, this crisis and pandemic would be brought to its knees. And so we're on our knees, literally and figuratively crying out, God, would you come heal our land? And since your word calls us to do it, your word calls for us to be the ones that would repent. And even though we want to point our fingers at everybody else who we think ought to repent, God, your word says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven. And so I'm not looking for anybody else to be the one to, to humble themselves. I'm humbling myself, God. We are humbling ourselves, God, in this moment. We turn from our wicked ways. Come on, somebody, you need to turn from the wickedness of your pride. Somebody else, you need to turn from the wickedness of the secret sin you've been harboring. Somebody else, you need to turn from the hatred and condescension you've had about that brother and that sister. Somebody else, you need to repent of the unforgiveness that you're carrying, the grudge you're holding against him and her, and you know who it is. But right now, it's time to repent. Would you just do some repenting? It's the good stuff. Repentance is the doorway to the glory of God. Enjoy it. This is not to make you feel bad. This is to help you to come to the place where you can feel refreshed. Just right now, would you just cry out and say, God, would you forgive me? And maybe you don't want to stand out like a sore thumb. So could we all say it all together? God, would you forgive me? Say it. God, would you forgive me? All together, say it again. God, would you forgive me of any sin, none, known and unknown, obvious and not so obvious? God, would you pour out your mercy through Jesus Christ on all of us? We repent. We repent. And now would you join me and let's pray for our leaders in our nation. All of them. The ones who are on your team and the ones who aren't on your team. So God, I, I wanna start, I wanna pray for uh, Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell. I pray for them both to just be so captivated by the spirit of the living God that they would turn and do what you want, God. We pray for our president and Donald Trump and Mike Pence. We pray your blessing on our leaders. Your word commands us to pray for those in authority. And we ask for your blessing on our leaders, president and vice president. Give them wisdom and courage and help and strength, God. We want to ask, Lord, for your, your mercy on our, on our state in California. We pray for our governor, for Gavin Newsom, God, that, you would, that you'd turn his heart to you, God, that you'd capture his attention with your love and your light and your mercy, God, and allow him to feel the constraining of the Holy Spirit for the decisions that need to be made. God, we're asking for it. We're not going to not pray for somebody just because they're not on the team we like. I want to pray for them all. 
God, that you would have your way in each one of their hearts and thus your way in our nation. Lord, we're asking for you to have your way in our country. God, we're asking for you to have your way. Spirit, come and 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 have your way. You can just sing that, a new song, sing it. Spirit, come and have your way. Sing it one more time. Spirit, come. Spirit, come and have your way. in Center Point Church. And Lord, I pray that you would allow the fruit of your spirit to grow in us more and more and that we would be people who keep stepping up a little bit more in our lives to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and to live out the love. Spirit, come and have your way. God, I pray you'd have your way in how we treat our husbands and our wives. Come and have your way. God, I pray you'd have your way in how we're pray you'd give us by the power of your spirit an ability to live in ways that look like we're called by your name more and more thank you lord thank you lord thank you lord